Hello, folks, and welcome to another live episode of Virtual Legality. For those of you that didn't watch the Unity episode last week, we're trying to do a few more of these live to maybe have a little bit more of a casual, free-flowing conversation and exchange of ideas more than our video-on-demand versions of Virtual Legality. So we're going to do that with this particular topic here today. I hope you're excited. This is an interesting one. It's not really in video games. It's not in technology. But it is something that a lot of people ask me about, so I wanted to talk with you about it today. So first, let's see what the actual subject is. Here is an announcement from Bill Willingham, who I'm going to do my best to not say is Bill Williamson, because I play too many video games, and that's a character from Red Dead Redemption, saying that as of now, 15 September 2023, the comic book property called Fables, including all related Fables spinoffs and characters, is now in the public domain. What was once wholly owned by Bill Willingham is now owned by everyone for all time. And that's really what everybody's been discussing. People wanted to ask me the questions about whether or not this is legitimate, whether these things actually went out into the public domain. And if you aren't familiar with Fables, Fables is a comic book series. It was published by DC, the people that do Superman and Batman. And it was created and written by Bill Willingham as said here in the Wikipedia entry. Now, there's some other stuff here that will probably be pertinent as we discuss this from a legal perspective, but that is the series featured various other pencilers over the years, most notably Lan Medina and Steve Lealola. I apologize in advance for any mispronunciations there. It was launched in July of 2002 and concluded in July of 2015. It was revived in 2022 with a 12-issue continuation, which we'll also talk about a little bit as we go along. If you don't know this comic book series at all, it kind of takes the people from fairy tales, Snow White, the Big Bad Wolf, and puts them all into modern day New York City. And there's a video game made about this called The Wolf Among Us, which is actually a really interesting, well done video game. And that's seemingly part of the problem that Mr. Willingham has with what DC Comics did to his Fables brand. Now, before we get into the legalities here, and we are going to talk about the legalities like a normal virtual legality before we have a questions and comments period at the end. So if you do have questions or comments, I'm probably going to go into a little bit more virtual legality tunnel vision here as we discuss the actual source material. And then we'll have that section at the end to take those questions and comments. And if you can flag those with an ad hoc law, I'll try to be able to find them when we get to that segment. Before we do, though, I do want to tell people that this channel and virtual legality in general is supported by viewers and listeners like you. We've got links below to both player and Patreon where you can support the channel specifically and you can support given episodes as Melissa Latimer has done here. Special thanks to Melissa for supporting an episode of Virtual Legality. If you're interested in that, please do check those out. Otherwise, subscribing, hitting up votes, hitting down votes even. Basically, hitting buttons on the channel at all makes YouTube happy and makes more people able to see that we're having these conversations in this space. Now, that all being said... Let's take a look at the Copyright Act. That's what everybody likes to talk about, right? Is it just me? No? All right. So copyright in a work protected under this title vests initially in the author or authors of the work. The authors of a joint work are co-owners of copyright in the work. In respect of works made for hire, which is a phrase we'll be talking about today, the employer or other person for whom the work was prepared is considered the author for purposes of this title. So copyright, which is different than trademark, which is more about names and brands and things, is the creation of an artistic something. And that creation automatically attaches the copyright under the United States Copyright Act to it. Now, you can probably already see I've flagged a couple of areas that we're going to have to discuss a little bit further. One of which that's really important is the authors of a joint work concept. 
Now, whoever the owner of a copyright is gets certain exclusive rights to that work. And that's, we've seen this before in virtual legality, uh, highlighted in 17 USC 106, says you get the right to reproduce, you get the right to prepare derivatives, you get the right to distribute, the right to perform, and the right to display the stuff that you make. So if you write a book, you get these rights, then you grant those in general because you're not a publisher, you don't have a publishing house ready to go. You grant those to someone else to get your book out into the marketplace or your TV show or your movie or whatever else you made, but you continue to be the owner and you license it for that purpose. Now, Mr. Willingham here says he's sending Fable into the public domain and we have to analyze a bit of what he says here so that we can figure out whether or not this is legitimate because a lot of people ask me, you know, can I make Fables toys now? Can I make a Fables comic book and put it out there? And importantly, this channel does not give legal advice, so I can't answer anything with respect to your specific situation. If you're thinking about using Fables or anything else on a legal basis, you should consult with your own local counsel. But I can say a couple of these things popped out at me as interesting, which is why I'm making this video today. So as of now, 15 September 2023, the comic book property called Fables is now in the public domain. This is the quote that I, we looked at at the top of the video. What was once wholly owned by Bill Willingham is now owned by everyone for all time. And we can't see the contracts here. These contracts weren't produced, the ones between Bill Willingham and DC, but there's no reason to believe that Mr. Willingham is trying to deceive in this. I truly believe he thinks he's giving everything that he has to the public domain. And for the most part, we can rely upon that. Now, I think it's worth pointing out that the public domain isn't really something that you can declare like this. This reminds me, and the reason I made the title of the video, I declare public domain is it reminds me of that scene in the office where Steve Carell says, I declare bankruptcy. It's not really how it works. What is public domain according to the copyright office? The public domain is not a place. That's important. Most people think of domain as a place. That makes sense. A work of authorship is in the public domain if it no longer under copyright protection or if it failed to meet the requirements for copyright protection. So in other words, when you get a copyright, you get it for a certain length of time. And when that time expires, things go into the public domain. We're familiar with this. In fact, the writer of Fables is familiar with this. As I just mentioned, it's Snow White, it's the Big Bad Wolf, it's Little Red Riding Hood, it's all these various things that are stories that are old enough that those characters were put into the public domain so that they could be repackaged into something like Fables, which is one of the ironies of this story. But can you just declare that it's in the public domain? Not with real legal effect. Instead, I think what you should take this announcement as is a pledge to not sue you for using it, right? So this is Bill Willingham saying, I agree that you are not going to be sued by me for using it. The problem is he can't make that claim for everyone else that might have a right to fables. And so this is of limited usefulness for that reason alone. What was once wholly owned by Bill Willingham is now owned by everyone for all time. That's fair. He's given up all rights that he has. But in between those lines are what rights does he have? And we have to look into that a little bit more. Practicality. When I first signed my creator-owned publishing contract with DC Comics, the company was run by honest men and women of integrity who interpreted the details of that agreement fairly and above board. When problems inevitably came up, we worked it out like reasonable men and women. Since then, things have gotten bad. At one time, the Fables properties were in good hands, and now by virtue of attrition and employee replacement, the Fables properties have fallen into bad hands. Since I can't afford to sue DC to force them to live up to the letter and the spirit of our longtime agreement, since even winning such a suit would take ridiculous amounts of money out of my pocket and years out of my life, I've decided to take a different approach and fight them in a different arena, inspired by the principles of asymmetric warfare. 
The one thing in our contract that DC lawyers can't contest or reinterpret to their own benefit is that I am the sole owner of the intellectual property. Now, as a lawyer, I look at this and say, all right, we're alighting one of the important things here, which is I'm sure no one is contesting that you're the sole owner of intellectual property. What they might be contesting is what that intellectual property is made up of, right? You're the writer of fables, but importantly, comic books aren't just their writers, right? Comic books are the people that make the drawings, that ink the words, that do all these various things that go into a comic book. And you might remember when we talked about who owns copyright, the authors of a joint work are co-owners of copyright in the work. So what is a joint work? We look at some definitions and we see in the copyright office, what is a joint work? A joint work is prepared by two or more authors with the intention that their contributions be merged into, into inseparable or interdependent parts of a unitary whole. A work of authorship is considered a joint work if the authors collaborated with each other or if each of the authors prepared his or her contribution with the knowledge and intention that it would be merged with the contributions of other authors as inseparable or interdependent parts of that unitary whole. The key requirement is the intention at the time the writing is done that the parts be absorbed or combined into an integrated unit. Now we can get into all sorts of fact questions here, which is why we can't give definitive legal advice either to Mr. Willingham or to somebody that's looking at the Willingham situation and fables on the whole and say, well, it seems like if you're making a comic book, you know that this is gonna go to people that are gonna make drawings and are gonna make your writing into something that is more of a comic book style, right? That's, that's part of this. Even when we look at the Wikipedia entry, that includes reference to the pencilers and the inkers and DC overall. So we've got a problem with the joint work because what happens if there's a joint work? Well, all the authors are owners of the copyright and that's basically fully. So those owners have the right to have the exclusive control over distribution, over all these various other things that we talked about as part of the U.S. Copyright Act, which means that if you've got somebody that's jointly owned, then you've got to go to all the owners to get their permission to do what it is that you want to do with it. So Mr. Willingham can say, I'm giving all, all of my rights to you, but you've got questions if you want to use anything that is in fables like how Big B Wolf looks right? Because he didn't actually make that drawing, I don't believe, but the person that did make the drawing isn't party to this blog post giving you the rights to Fable. So there are aspects of what he created that you could have rights to, like the name Bigby Wolf, perhaps, and some of the things in the storyline, if this is as described, and he can he maintained these rights through a publishing contract that he called Creator Owned. But even then, we've got a joint ownership issue. And further, we've got a works made for hire problem because those inkers, those pencilers, people that worked on the project might well have been employees of DC Comics. And if they were, then DC has an ownership right. And as we'll see at the end of this video, then DC disputing this is going to be a problem for you, which is what brings me to my main issue with all of this, which is in this paragraph, the rubber really hits the road. I can't afford to sue DC. Nobody can. You certainly can. If you're thinking about making fables comics and putting them out there in the marketplace, Chances are you can't afford to sue DC either. Only, whereas Mr. Willingham has a relatively strong position in that he created Fables and he signed an agreement that apparently didn't give all his rights to Fables to DC, you have this kind of tertiary right through a blog post that says you have the ability to make Fables. And if DC disputes it, you have a long legal battle that I wouldn't really bet on you winning to go through. If Bill isn't willing to get sued by DC or to sue DC, I would be very cautious about electing to take on that own liability for yourself. 
but that's just me, right? You'd have to go talk to your own lawyer about those things. And lawyers are traditionally risk averse on these kinds of questions. But when you see a paragraph here that says, I can't afford to sue DC, you should understand that when he puts this out there, he's basically asking all of you to sue them for him. And that's, that's not, I don't think, something that most people are going to want to do. In my template for radical reform of the copyright and trademark laws, I would like it if any IP is owned by its original creator for up to 20 years from the point of first publication, and then goes into the public domain for any and all use. Now that's much shorter than the current year limits of 70 and 95 years. And so he's basically asking for copyright and trademark to be shorter. I think there's reasonable minds can absolutely advocate for a shorter copyright period. That's the reason he says he's doing this is that he's had Fable for a number of years and he thinks that it's right to go out into the public for now. So since DC or any other corporate entity doesn't actually own the property, they don't get a say in this decision. And that's where I think he's probably going a little bit too far on this, is that DC has some rights here. What exactly has DC Comics done to provoke this, he asks himself. Well, DC has always been in violation of their agreements with me. Usually it's in smaller matters, like forgetting to seek my opinion on artists for new stories or for covers or formats or new collections and such. But... Lately, their practices have grown beyond those mere annoyances. First, they tried to strong arm the ownership of fables from me. When Mark Doyle and Dan Didio first approached me with the idea of bringing fables back for its 20th anniversary, during the contract negotiations for the new issues, their legal negotiators tried to make it a condition of the deal that the work be made, be done as a work for hire, effectively throwing the property irrevocably into the hands of DC. Now, as a corporate lawyer here, I do want to point out that it is very unusual for a company like DC or Marvel or a movie studio or anyone else to just have someone make something for them and not get the intellectual property rights to it or to not discuss how the intellectual property rights are divided between the two parties at the contract level. So it doesn't surprise me that in 2022, when he's approached, the lawyers say this has to be done as a work made for hire because that's the normal way of doing these things. But he says they didn't read the contract. We thought we owned it. I think that's entirely the norm for what lawyers would think in that situation, although they should have read the original contract to begin with. DC officers admitted that their interpretation of our publishing agreement and the following media rights agreement is that they could do whatever they wanted with the property. They had no obligation whatsoever to protect the integrity and value of the IP, either from themselves or from third parties. Telltale Games, for instance, who want to radically alter the character settings, history, and premises of the story. I've seen the script they tried to hide from me for a couple of years nor did they owe me any money for licensing the fable rights to third parties since such a license wasn't anticipated in our original publishing agreement. So he's saying DC tried to steal certain rights to fable from him and, and put them out to things like Telltale Games, The Wolf Among Us, which is where I'm more familiar with the property than comic books. I'm not a big comic book reader. When they capitulated on some of the points in a later conference call, promising on the phone to pay me back monies owed for licensing fables to Telltale Games, for example, in the execution of the new agreement, they reneged on their word and offered the promised amount instead as a consulting fee, which avoided the precedent of admitting that the money was owed and included a non-disclosure agreement that would prevent me from saying anything but nice things about Telltale or the license, which either he didn't sign or he's just breaching right here and doesn't care about talking about these things outside of that non-disclosure provision and so on. So he doesn't trust DC anymore. I will tell you again, from the corporate perspective, these things make sense to me. These things are things that I have seen companies do. It's one of the reasons why if you go in back and look at the Unity video we did last week, I say there's a certain amount of trust that parties to a contract have to have in order for the whole situation to work because there's always things around the edges. There's always little holes that if you have an untrustworthy business partner working with you on, they can find to otherwise 
license your IP away, for example, and that you didn't anticipate at the time that you entered into the agreement. So there has to be a level of trust between the parties. And that trust is clearly gone between Bill William and DC. So this makes sense from that perspective, but it, may, it probably doesn't make sense for the third party that wants to make Fables toys. Are you concerned at what DC will do now? I gave them an opportunity to renegotiate the contracts from the ground up, putting everything in unambiguous language, and they ignored that offer. Note that my contracts with DC Comics are still in force. I did nothing to break them and cannot unilaterally end them. I still cannot publish Fables comics th through anyone but them. I still cannot authorize a Fables movie through anyone but them. Nor can I license Fables toys, nor launch boxes, nor anyone else. And they still have to pay me for the books they publish. And I'm not giving up the other money they owe. One way or another, I intend to get my 50% of my money they've owed me for years for the Telltale game and other things. You see Telltale come up at a bunch of times. I do think the Wolf Among Us and the Telltale game success is something that he doesn't feel like he was properly compensated for. But of course, that's speculation. We can't read people's minds. However, you, says Mr. William, the new 100% owner of Fables never signed such agreements. For better or worse, DC and I are still locked together in this unhappy marriage, perhaps for all time, but you aren't. Now, one, this is approaching legal advice here from him. I would never advise that somebody do this, especially in a blog post like this one. Two, I think it's largely wrong, right? So he continues with the paragraph next. If I understand the law correctly and be advised that copyright law is a mess, purposefully vague and murky, and no two lawyers, not even those specializing in copyright and trademark law, agree on anything, I think that's entirely right. You can get lawyers that will give you advice in all sorts of different directions, and copyright law is a very difficult and complicated area of the law. He says, you have the rights to make your Fables movies and cartoons and publish your Fables books and manufacture your Fables toys and do anything you want with your property because it's your property. And here's where the rubber hits the road here, right? We already talked about the fact that you probably don't want to get into a lawsuit with DC. But in addition to that, a party to an intellectual property doesn't have the rights that it's already given away, right? So you have the exclusive rights to this bundle of sticks, as they might tell you in law school, to reproduce to repair derivative roots, works, to distribute, to perform, to display, all these various things. But to the extent that you've given them away, you've licensed them out to another party, you can't suddenly revive them by transferring them to an unknown third party. So if we think about this as actual property and not kind of intellectual property, if you had a tree or a candy bar or something else and you cut off a portion of it and gave it to a second party, you don't get to suddenly give the whole tree because it's missing a part to somebody new. Otherwise, all of your licenses would fail, right? Intellectual property couldn't exist in that format because you would sign an exclusive right to a publisher or to a movie house or someone else and then give it to a third party and suddenly they get all those rights. Your exclusive contract originally wouldn't mean anything, which is all a long way of saying when he says, okay, I signed up to these particular agreements with DC that says they're going to be the sole makers of my comics based on Fable and they're going to be the sole maker of movies or whatever else he agreed to based on fables, he can't suddenly give those rights to a third party when he doesn't have them to begin with. They aren't his anymore. They're DC's. And he acknowledges that. So those, from a contractual standpoint and from just a legal liability lawsuit standpoint, are the areas that jump out at me as being problematic, not the least of which is also the joint ownership issue, which is, I suspect, Bill Willingham owns less of the fables comic books than he thinks he does, right? So if you look at this first paragraph, he says, the comic book property called Fables, including all related Fables spinoffs and characters is now in the public domain. It's entirely unclear to me how he has the rights to those particular derivatives. Presumably over the course of time when those derivatives were made, spinoffs like The Wolf Among Us, they were properly licensed out, unless he's intending to 
combat that with this particular post. If he agreed to those derivatives being created, then those derivative makers have the copyrights they have to their packaging of his fables idea. They wrote those spinoffs. They drew those spinoffs. They made the video games on those spinoffs. Whatever it is that they did, he doesn't have the right just as the as the grandfather of the intellectual property to give you the rights to all of those spinoffs and characters. So we have a lot of different things going on here, and we have a creative that I think rightfully feels put upon by a corporation he doesn't think is listening to him. But in trying to just give away all the rights, it doesn't seem apparent to me, even giving full benefit of the doubt to everything he says here, that he has the rights he thinks he has to give to you. He says, I own 100% of Fables. Every person owns Fables in whole. But I don't think he has that to begin with. And that's what you really have to ask as a question to start out with, right? And when we think about this, you can think about this perhaps in a different context that you might be or might not be more familiar with. If we take the movie Alien, right? It's written by a person by the name of Dan O'Bannon. It's directed by a person by the name of Ridley Scott. It was produced by a company named Fox. And if Dan O'Bannon just had the same kind of contract that we're talking about here and said, you can go make little alien toys if you want to, because I wrote the screenplay to Alien, I don't think we'd be as confused about whether or not he has the right to do that, because it would be self-evident that he doesn't, right? H.R. Geiger is pretty famously the artist that made the xenomorph alien in Alien, and there are other concept artists that worked on that, all for the director, Ridley Scott, based on a screenplay by Dan O'Bannon. All these various things are joint creations of multiple people, and while we can acknowledge that, and we don't have to love it, right? We don't have to love anything about copyright law or trademark law or the way the movie studio system works or the way comic books are made to say, I don't think that this person has the full rights to give something like toy rights to making xenomorph toys out there. It's a little bit more apparent, I think, in that example than when we're thinking about something a little bit more amorphic like Fables. Now, as I said at the top of this video, the real irony here is that Fables is kind of deliberately created as a packaging of public domain works similar in kind to what Disney had been doing with their animated movies for the longest time, right? They don't, they didn't write The Little Mermaid to begin with. They took it and made an animated version of it that they then had the rights to in that packaging, similar to Pinocchio or Cinderella or anything else. But here, Fables, as the story of people living in modern-day New York and dealing with Fable problems is protected in the same way that a Disney movie might be protected as a new repackaging of older public domain materials. So this unfortunately gets very complicated from here. And he's right that different lawyers will have different opinions. Certainly lawyers that can read the contracts themselves will have stronger opinions than even me from outside here at 30,000 feet. But at the end of the day, the question becomes, are you willing to get into a lawsuit with DC? Because DC isn't just gonna sit back and say, oh yeah, that blog post is totally legit. Or as they put it this morning, in an IGN article, DC insists Fables comic book series is not in the public domain despite creators' claims. They say the Fables comic books and graphic novels published by DC and the storylines, characters, and elements therein are owned by DC and protected under the copyright laws of the United States and throughout the world in accordance with applicable law and are not in the public domain. Now, at least based on what Mr. Willingham says, the question about storylines and characters and elements is open, but the, the completed version of the Fables comic books and graphic novels are certainly DC's. DC reserves all rights and will take such action as DC deems necessary or appropriate to protect its intellectual property rights. Yeah, expect to get sued by DC if you try to do any of this. And remember, Mr. Willingham, who has a stronger argument than you to make Fables comics or toys or anything else out there in the marketplace, 
decided that it was too difficult to sue DC. So is that fair? Maybe not. But I have to give caution as the legal advisor to anybody that would seek to ex exercise the rights that Mr. Willingham has set forth to put out there into the marketplace. Now, is that formal legal advice to you, potential person putting a Fable product out there? No. But caution is always a good idea, legal or not. If this was of use to you, if you like videos and conversations like this, please consider supporting the channel through Player or Patreon, or just subscribing and telling your friends. Thank you again to Melissa Latimer for sponsoring this episode of Virtual Legality. And as promised, if you have questions or comments, if you think there are aspects of this that I missed or things that you thought really made sense and were useful, please leave them here, flag it with at Law, and I will try to capture them live. I love these conversations. I think they're fantastic to have this kind of space where we can all talk about these various things. So let me know. Those, those are only my thoughts. They don't have to be your thoughts. Uh, but I do think that that is what's happening in this particular case. And I would love to hear how you feel about it as well. So thank you for joining me in virtual legality. Get some people saying thank you for get, get, getting to more VL videos. Glad to see you're back to some degree. Oh yeah, I think I'm back. I want to do more of these more often. The live version where we have a little bit more of a conversational style is a little bit cleaner, I think, right now for my schedule that I have to work around and doing virtual legalities like this. Joshua Ford says, unless he got a killer contract that he slipped under the radar way back when, I don't see this surviving in, against DC. I would love to see what that contract looked like, but that likely won't happen. I do think that comic books are a weird industry. I think you see some of these things from time to time where they didn't get full ownership that they would have wanted in a normal industry. For instance, if I've got a client that's making a board game and we need art for that board game, we'll sign up a services agreement and we'll have a work made for hire provision in there that says we get the intellectual property that we paid for as part of that because we need to have complete rights to the board game we're putting out into the marketplace. That's the standard way of doing these things. And the comic book people just didn't do it that way for a time. And what's interesting about this to me is Fables is not from the 1960s. It's not the 1950s. It's not way back when in comic book land. It was created in the early 2000s. So it's a little bit unusual to see this as a fight at all right now. But I think it's still interesting. Many, many folks are very interested in conversations about public domain and copyright in general. So let's see. Hey, Hettinger says, well, I mean, if you want to know, publish something and get some discovery. For the contract? Yeah, but that's a costly process, right? I'm going to publish a Fables comic book and see what DC does. And then we'll go in and look at things. I don't know that that's great. That's not really viable for most people, but I do get what, you say, what you're saying there, which is you can find out more if you get in there. I'm not so sure that Mr. Willingham wouldn't share the contract if you asked him directly. But while I think we can be in favor of the impulse to put it out there in the marketplace, I just don't think it's going to have the effect that he will want it to have because DC is sitting out there saying, no, there are rights. And to the extent they might be overstating their rights, that's that's fair to criticize them on, but it's still a cudgel that will prevent most people from even trying to explore that area. Burf90 says, I sense a GoFundMe coming. I don't think he has much of a chance. Uh, no, I mean, I don't think he wants to sue DC. He views this as his big answer to DC. So he might well... He might well just be done after this, but I don't think that there's going to be a groundswell of hundreds of thousands of people putting in efforts on Fables. I, I don't. I don't think Fables is nearly that popular to, to have this kind of movement be something that you could actually advance. And he says that in some of his questions and answers that I skipped, which is to say, 
he knows he doesn't have kind of the cachet of some of the bigger comics, but he feels this is important to do. I think we can get behind people that think something is important to do and want to reform things like the copyright laws or the trademark laws. I'm just sitting here saying, I don't think it'll be effective, but that doesn't mean I'm looking down on the, the effort. You got what you got when you have leverage or you don't. Poor Gamer says, so from what I understand, you can create stuff based upon fables, but you can't use the appearance of the characters from the comics. Well, it's it's an open question, right? Because the Fables comic books are joint works. They're, they're created together as specific products that go out into the market. So to the extent you can divide the characterization, the names and the stories from the comic books, then maybe you can use them if you trust that Mr. Willingham is saying everything about what he has the rights to. But even going so far as that, you can't probably adopt things that he didn't make such as the image of the characters and and maybe even some other stuff that isn't clear what is his and what's not. So I would be very cautious about all of this, but that's again, just me. Lawyers are notoriously risk averse. Wasn't it a Vertigo title? These were always a little bit different with their contracts as far as I remember. Yeah, it was the Vertigo imprint and they definitely have contracts that are looser to give the creators rights, but it doesn't mean like that the creator has the right to just say they're in the public domain and we can't read the contracts here. So we can only kind of give, we can only kind of give the 30,000 foot outside perspective. Nishay Jones says in general, what is the difference between business law and IP law? Right. So business law, what I do is forming businesses, getting them funded, maybe doing mergers and acquisitions, getting them exited so that the founders can leave with their money after a successful business endeavor. That's kind of broad strokes what I do, but contracts include all sorts of provisions on all sorts of things. So I touch a lot of intellectual property primarily because a lot of my clients are software based, are technology based, are, are health technology based, whatever it might be. And they deal a lot with licensing, intellectual property, moving patents around. Um, and those areas are kind of a subset of doing transactional or business law. So IP is a more specialized area. I'm not a, a specialist in intellectual property law. And if you needed to register a copyright or a trademark, I would send you to one of my specialist friends because they all have the magic words and things that you want to say when you're filing for one of these things with the, the national registrars or what have you. But I can comment on these various things because I've dealt with them a lot in reality in terms of companies dealing with creators of intellectual property and creators of intellectual property dealing with companies. So that's the difference. What recourse might he have for his claims that DC violated the contract? Only suing? Well, I mean, to the extent that he claims that they owed him the right to sign off on cover artists and things like that, yes, he would he would be able to sue them, but whether or not he was damaged by that is a question, right? So that's probably one of the reasons why he doesn't bring a lawsuit there. Overall, I think it's just a breach of faith in DC at the end of the day, right? So he talks about a number of things in his question and answers and in his blog posts that suggest that he just doesn't have faith in the people that are working there anymore. Because when you deal with big companies, employees change and your guy or gal over there gets replaced with someone that you don't like. And so what's his, what's his recourse? His recourse is to sue over those things because chances are the contract doesn't say you lose all rights to X, Y, or Z if you don't give me the proper notice of a cover artist or things like that. So we can't know without seeing the contract, but chances are, yes, suing for damages would be the way to go. Uh, we got the Vertigo question already. Lady in Black said, thank you very much, saying, love having Hoglaw live again. Yeah, we're having fun here. Virtual legality, 
Random on a Monday. Jero says, the only reason I know of Fables is The Wolf Among Us. Pretty much like you, if I understood it right. Yeah, that's that's correct. The first time I interacted with Fables was through the Telltale Games, The Wolf Among Us. And so, yeah. Oh, don't need to highlight the Nightbot. Chris Smith, could William publish the contract? Chances are it has a provision that says that you're not to discuss or share publicly the terms of this contract or some other things in it. So he'd be reluctant to do that. But yes, if he has a copy, he could always publish it. Whether or not it's breaching a contract is kind of a separate question. Sakunarfufal, sorry, <laughs> says it started as a Vertigo title, then got absorbed by DC when Vertigo got shut down. Lots of legal problems later on with several authors. Yes, every time you've got these derivatives that are made, that are spun off with different authors, think about the fact that Telltale has rights to The Wolf Among Us. He can't just hand off The Wolf Among Us rights, but that's what he's trying to do. My comics say Vertigo, not DC, but it might have been bought or a subset. Yes, Vertigo is called an imprint of DC as of now. I think they were bought. I don't. I can't pretend to know the mergers and acquisitions history of comic books. NU Baton says all these IP laws are anti-capitalist. Well, I mean, that's that's a take. I think for the most part, intellectual property laws are pretty pro-capitalist from the author's perspective. That's how they get the money that they want to spend on other things is from making these creative works and then licensing them out. But I'm open to any other interpretation that you want to have of intellectual property laws. They are certainly, as he says in his blog post, a murky area of law. Joshua Ford says, if DC does plan to hold on tight to the IP, I wonder if they will focus more on pushing Bill to retract his statements or focus on new creators instead. Well, I think to some extent, Bill is looking for a conversation that he wasn't having. So to the extent that DC now says we have to pay attention to this and clear this up a little bit, I think that would work in general towards what he wants to achieve. Will DC do that? I don't know. DC right now is kind of in strong arm mode. That's the reason I did this video is I saw this morning that they were saying all this is ridiculous and we still maintain the rights that we have. I would expect them to sue over those rights if and when it came to it. Will they get Bill to say something differently? I don't know. Will Prescott says, remember Watchmen was Vertigo 2 and DC has done everything they can to screw over Alan Moore. DC will always try to get what they want. Yeah, I mean, there are companies that are good partners, there are companies that are bad partners. I haven't worked with DC, I can't say one way or the other, but certainly he tells the story of a company that is looking for every loose end in every provision of the contract to get what they want regardless of what it says. And to the extent that that is happening, I don't blame any creator or any party to a contract with that corporation for saying, oh, this is ridiculous, I'm done with this. I don't trust you to do even what you say in the contract, so it doesn't even make sense for us to renegotiate. At that point, that all breaks down, everything falls apart, and you get things like this. I'm just saying I'm not sure that it's effective. Fred H says, yes, Alan Moore came first to my mind, and he actually talks about Alan Moore in his blog post, saying he knows he's not Alan Moore and he doesn't command that kind of popularity. Mrs. Hoglaw asks, comic book business history isn't a course in law school? No, we don't do anything fun in law school. That's kind of how they try to keep people from becoming lawyers is they try to make it as boring as possible in parts. I'm kidding. I, I like law school a lot. I had a lot of fun there. But yeah, comic book business history is not a subject that we touched upon. How do I expect DC to react to this? Like they did, saying, no, he's wrong, and being willing to be very aggressive defending the fables rights to anybody that might seek to go out to the market with it. Roberto Lopez just says, poor Unity. 
Yeah, well, we talked about Unity a little bit. Unity, DC, we got all sorts of stuff. I keep saying DC Comics, but the C is comics, right? So DC. Since IP gets locked down and locked in, it prevents proper iteration of a thing for cheaper or better value. With things being wide open, it would allow more people to make money at a local level. I think this is the argument that IP law is anti-capitalist. I certainly think that it could allow for those things, but at least the theory in capitalist societies of intellectual property law is that in order to get the thing created initially so that it can be iterated upon, there has to be a benefit to the creation. So that's where the capitalist kind of argument comes in there, but that's essentially a political science question. MD, fabulous having virtual legality and hangouts and headlines back to back. Thank you. Love your sharing your personal takes in your natural stream of speech. Your direct and easy to understand way. Thumbs up. Thanks. Thank you, MZ. I appreciate it. A. Hedinger says, considering how bizarre it is, comic book IP history should be a course. Honestly, I think some of the best IP questions probably are comic books. It's not a bad idea. And you'd probably get a lot of law students that were interested in it because it has that kind of pop culture basis. Maybe we can run a we can run a uh, class together. We'll see. I'll, I'll go to back to my alma mater, say University of Michigan. What do you think about comic book IP? We'll have a conversation. I think DC Comics is said to help differentiate from DC Shoes, among others. That's fair. Or the District of Columbia. I, I just it's funny because right, it's like the ATM machines of comic book branding. Is that the C covers you, but you do, it doesn't feel like enough. It's got to be DC Comics. Uh, Bill Kane and Bill Finger for Batman history is an interesting historical subject as well. Indeed. Yeah, lots of good stuff from comic book land. Uh, let's see here. Will Prescott, the problem is that companies like Disney have gotten laws passed to hold on to their IP. Absolutely. Which is kind of the most capitalist thing to do because you can keep control of the supply, uh, not demand. Yes, I think that anybody that comes to me and says copyright laws are too long, the Sonny Bono Act and Disney control over intellectual property has taken them for too long a time, I'm going to listen to. I think reasonable minds can have all sorts of different positions on what copyright law should be. Absolutely will. Catherine Frazier, thank you for being a member for seven months. So happy to see you doing live chats again. I wish the gaming industry developed more of their own material. Leave comic books alone. It's kind of a... Kind of a glancing blow at gaming, but yeah, I think that there are a lot of things that could be better off, movies included, with doing more new and original things. That that increases the whole of things to love in the world. When you do just translations of other things, I think you miss out on opportunities to have new things. That being said, what am I most excited for from movies in the next couple of months? Dune 2, which is a translation of a book that I liked from the 60s. So, you know, take it as far as you will, but I do think more new stuff is better, definitely. Bad as a hog asks the important questions. Are you going to start doing these regularly now? I'm all for it. I'm going to do these when I have time in my schedule and when there's a question that I think is really important or that I have enough to say about. But one of the things that I'm trying to do post-stroke here is to be more mindful of my time and efforts and video creation and just trying to be more aware of the balance of life and work is almost too easy but life, work, family, everything else that has I have going on because I don't want to get into a place where it's unsustainable or where I feel like I have to make videos or comment on everything that passes through my inbox or my direct messages or anything else. Hey, Hettinger says, I'm super excited for the second part of Dune as well. Good, yeah, Dune. Very much looking forward to Dune. 
I'm sad that it's next year and not this year like it was supposed to be, but yeah. Newt says, I don't know if you saw his tweet. Several questions have poured in over Fables rights. No, this doesn't include the right to reprint previously published Fables books and stories. Yeah, no, it couldn't, right? I mean, like the most obvious thing that it doesn't convey the rights to is the completed Fables as they exist in the world right now. Like you couldn't just say, all right, I'm going to sell you, I'm going to rebrand Fables and, and reproduce them and sell Fables 12 to all of you. But I'm not sure that that really answers the question of could you make your own? If you come out with your own Fables books, others couldn't decide to reprint them. Create your own is the new order of things. And see, like, he doesn't have the power to say that, right? You're the exclusive rights holder to whatever you're the exclusive rights holder to. So you might be able to license them to someone else. You might be able to do anything else that you want. This is just a creator that kind of views copyright and his control over the Fables idea as kind of a deity, and that's not really how the legal order works. And so I just want to try to add a little bit of clarity there. So when you read those blog posts, when you read that question and answer, when you read tweets like this, it's just important to understand that he's not a lawyer. He has a very deserved feeling of ownership of what he created, but it's not as clear as what he is saying is going out there into the universe. Dev for Fun says, corporations don't want more things to love. It is cheaper to produce if everyone loves the same thing. Well, that might be, but I'm in favor of a world with the most possible things to love. What kills me about DC is that they basically stole work from Alan Moore using misleading contract language. Always hire a lawyer. I could not agree more. That's what lawyers are good for, is trying to suss out what the contract terms say. And there is no doubt in my mind, and you should take no doubt away, that some corporations, some entities, some individuals will try to write contracts or promises in such a way that they can get around what it seems like they're saying they will do. Jeremy Morton says, why'd they have to make a sequel to Dune? They didn't make a sequel to Dune, although they could have. Dune 2 is essentially the second half of the original Dune book. They just separated it into two parts. And while I'd love to say, well, that's because they extended it too long, like The Hobbit, I really think they actually had to go pretty fast through Dune just to get the part one done. I would have had it go even a little bit longer, but I love Dune. So there you go. And Yubatan, thank you for the super chat. Says, I still believe it's anti-capitalist since once a thing is made, it's made. So I disagree. Unrelated though, I'm glad you made such a good recovery. Welcome back. Missed your input, whether I agree or disagree with it. Thank you, Anubatan. Uh Yeah, no, I, like I said, I have no problem with somebody believing that the intellectual property laws are anti-capitalist or anti-beneficial or whatever framework you want to put on that. I'm just trying to establish what I think the governing philosophy of their existence is right now as it stands. And so I'm not sure I feel that they're anti-capitalist, but I have no problem with someone else feeling that way. And again, thank you for the super chat, which is probably about as capitalist as I can get on this video. I think a lot of lawyers agree that SCOTUS rocked the boat a lot with bad spaniels. So there's a few things they can agree on, just not many, and they're small. Is that opinions, probably? They came out as spaniels? We'll see, sardinisms. I, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of lawyers can agree that SCOTUS does its own thing, but we probably wouldn't agree on what things SCOTUS did wrong, right? Lawyers don't generally agree on many, if anything. Sabrina says, I like seeing stories translated across different mediums, but think we've crossed into a line of just replicate and reproduce to the point of not imagining new stories, especially the movie industry. Yeah, I, I have a certain love of translation as well. I especially like to see 
really difficult ideas translated into like board game or other simple game form because it's difficult it's difficult to get those kind of strange ideas into a, into an organic set of rules. I'm always really impressed when people can do that. I love game designers for that purpose. But I agree that movies have felt a little bit stagnant for a while yet. I think that's one of the reasons that I liked Barbie as much as I did is however you feel about it, and I do think it's muddled at the end, however you feel about it, it felt new and different in a way that a lot of movies don't right now. A Hettinger, yes, Dune is a lot of very dense material, and a lot of people read it for the wrong message, right? One of the interesting things of Dune 1 coming out was a lot of people saying it was a savior myth. And it's like, oh, guys, no, Dune is not a savior myth. It's a deconstruction of a savior myth, if anything. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Stephanie G, again with the important questions, what is your opinion on old 80s version of Dune, David Lynch's Dune, and the new one? I like the new one a lot more than David Lynch's Dune. Um, but I really like uh, Denis and wave more than david lynch so that's that's my subjective position on those directors and if you love david lynch go nuts he's weird and wild in, in dune 1980s edition but i prefer the modern dune hog if you want a real copyright mess go look up the credits for the new evil dead video game oh i have no doubt evil dead in of itself is kind of a famous college project turned really popular movie so yeah bad spaniels was a copyright parody case is that the one with the with the jack daniels dog toy okay well then i apologize for for not understanding the meaning of the chat sometimes i will miss them so i apologize for that Chris says Dune is a message about colonialism more than a savior complex. I, I, I mean, I think it's it can be about a lot of different things. It's a big book that way. But I mean, my, my favorite thread of Dune is about prophecy and destiny and and egotism and and working through all those issues in a society that has the technological capability of doing really bad things. So I really I really like Dune as a book. That's one of my favorites, and I really like what the current modern Dune project is doing. But yeah, I think different people can take different things from the book and the movies, certainly. MZ says, although I was wowed by the first dude on the big screen, the latest one is way more awe-inspiring, sublime in my opinion. And that, folks, I think is going to do it for us in questions and comments. We've proceeded through a Dune conversation here. Uh, but thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. And I really love having these videos done with all of you in the chat. So thank you for joining me. Please do tell your friends that we're having these conversations. And if you are interested in supporting the channel, we do have the links in the description. Thank you again, everybody. I really do appreciate it. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.